0: Welcome to the Shifting Our Schools podcast, where we believe learning never stops. We create innovative and flexible professional development opportunities that support the current research and thinking in education today. This week's podcast episode aspires
1: to set you up to take another step forward on your personal learning journey. Now here's your host, Jeff Udick. Jeff, I am so excited about this episode. I, you know, you've got a big smile on your face because we've been talking about this for months. uh, When we reached out to Dory Clark's agent to try and get her on the podcast, Uh, of course, Dory Clark, um, prolific writer, Ted talk deliverer, keynote speaker, author of multiple books, super busy, but the time finally came and we are so proud to bring you this conversation.
2: I love it. And uh, I think you left uh, out of there, like just motivational, like the, during the entire uh, talk today, you know, in our interview with her, I just, the whole time I'm just nodding. Yes. Like, yes, yes. Like I want to go do more. I'm not doing enough. You know, uh, I, just such a, a great human, uh, to, to bring into the fold of education and to be thinking about, uh, some of her writing. Uh, we talk about SEL, um, and, and just about, uh, you know, ideas around SEL. So, so cool.
1: Yeah. For anybody who's interested in leadership, entrepreneurship, communication, Dory Clark's work, um, if it's not already kind of a part of what you consume, I think this episode will inspire you to do that. Uh, Dory Clark's most recent book. I've been re-listening to it in preparation for this episode, The Long Game, How to Be a Long-Term Thinker in a Short-Term World, is excellent. Um, And Dory has also given us a link to a strategic thinking self-assessment that you can do to, um, again, be thinking about what your long-term strategy might be. You'll find that link over there in the show notes. You'll also find um, links to learn more about Dory Clark, how to follow her on Twitter, And also uh, her TED Talk, The Real Reason You Feel So Busy and What to Do About It. I know that everybody in education can relate to that title, so you'll want to check out that talk as well. Again, links in the show notes.
2: Yeah, such a great episode. We're so excited to be able to share this with you. Uh, When you're done, please go check out all of the links, or just head over to Google and type in Dory Clark, and that's all you have to do. Uh, it's all there for you. Such a great person to bring into your network. We talk about networking today. Uh, follow her on Twitter. Uh, bring somebody like this into your network. They're motivational, they have great things that it uh, doesn't matter what industry you're in. I think she's across industries. And and, and to me, that, that's just huge. You know, when you get a, a, a great human like that, that can just speak to, speak to all of us.
1: 100% completely agree.
2: All right, here's our interview with Dory Clark. And with that, on)
1: Honored to have Dory Clark on the podcast. Um, this has been sort of an interview in the making for a while now. We're just huge fans of, of the work that Dory Clark does. And Dory Clark has a great brand new book. I, I can't be quiet about it on Twitter. It's called The Long Game How to Be a Long Term Thinker in a Short Term World. Dory's a prolific writer, um, correct me if this number is wrong, I think it's over 250 pieces just in Forbes. Um, you can find Dory Clark's work also in, in Harvard Business Review, it must be hundreds of posts there. She's delivered just countless talks, uh, TED Talks, Talk at Google. So we know that um, you are sharing so much wisdom. Just uh, again, the the amount that you have put out online, uh, and you know, we're not even talking about all of your books yet, is just incredible. We're willing to bet that there are some behind the scenes part of your work that. Um, we might not be aware of, so we'd love to just start off by asking you to kind of reveal behind the curtain and, and talk to us about something that is crucial to your work that most folks may not recognize you actually do.
0: Yeah, thank, thank you, Trisha. I appreciate it. Um, you know, certainly in terms of in terms of the the writing and the content that I uh, that I put out there, I try to. Pretty much the, the the minute I write it, I try to get it out into the world. But I would say that the, the piece that may not be immediately clear that sort of undergirds a lot of what I'm trying to do is when I started my own business, when I went to work for myself, which was in 2006, it felt like such a kind of complicated and opaque process. And a lot of the things that I wanted to do were things that there just wasn't really a pathway for. There wasn't a clear mechanism to get to that place. And I think, honestly, a lot of jobs these days are like that. It's probably in the minority where it is clear how to get to it. But at the time, I felt like it was this sort of rare and burdensome thing that like, oh God, I have to figure all this out on my own. And so I, I was really kind of just muddling my way through in perhaps an inefficient way, trying to figure out, you know, how do I, how do I start a business? How do I get clients? How do I actually, you know, uh, the 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 phrase that would haunt me, grow my platform <laughs> and uh, <laughs> all those things we have to do. And it was just so frustrating to me because I felt like, there were people out there who knew how to do it, but they were often uh, reluctant to share that information. And I, I just got irate, and I was like, "No, no, we're we're gonna we're gonna deconstruct this." And so, what I've really tried to do throughout my work since then is to try to take the things that I have learned about how to get your ideas out more publicly, how to. able to build a following around those ideas and i've tried to share what i have learned and hopefully democratize that information a little bit more because i would like it to be easier for other people and i think that that when you have access to that information more easily it enables hopefully um, for it to be more likely that the best ideas will rise to the top rather than just the loudest ideas or the best connected ideas
1: yeah and you know you you're You give so much information so freely that I almost feel compelled. I'm a you know I, I love my local library. I love supporting my local library, but I almost feel compelled to purchase your books. Um, and I'm, I'm really I'm so excited that the most recent one you you narrate yourself. So if there are other listeners who are on Audible, it's a great way. I really enjoyed consuming your book that way. And in that book, actually, you talk about when you were starting out how you were just reading and consuming everything that you could. You reference um, Jim Collins' great book Good to Great and how you kind of worked backwards, just looking at the footnotes in that book to generate like your syllabus to continue reading. Um, And just, you know, I I really love the transparency there in in showing us your process and your work is, full of stories like that, anecdotes from your own personal life, anecdotes from from friends and clients. And um, one of my favorite quotes from the book is you write, quote, if you are learning, you are not actually failing, end quote. And of course, for our audience comprised of educators, that's a great message. It's a great message for us to amplify to learners of all ages. Dora, you're so established in your field, but yet you model that life long learning mindset i'm really curious to hear from you what some of the learning is that you feel um you still have yet to do or maybe you're hoping to get to this summer
0: well i you know i can i can answer it a couple different ways i mean i i love to give myself projects you know so like the summer project the project for the year and so a project that i'm undertaking this summer is around um, better email marketing and uh, and creating these better uh, you know just to use some super jargony terms better evergreen email sequences, uh, which is basically the sort of a- automated email like welcome series when someone subscribes to your list and newsletter and things like that. And I want to get better at that because I think that it is both um, a, a it's sort of you know what what is the way that with the greatest ease for me uh, because you can do it once and then hopefully set it and forget it, but also with the best outcome for the for the reader to be able to be sort of integrated and welcomed into my world where it's like, hey, here's what I do. Here's what you might be interested in. And so it's kind of this pro- this process about thinking through, all right, well, how do I structure that? How do I set that up? in a way that makes sense for people or is useful for people and uh, accomplishes what we, what we both want. And so I have been, you know, basically having this you know, curriculum of, of books that I've been reading about that. So, because that's the process I've been uh, reading the uh, there's this trilogy of kind of online marketing books by a guy named Russell Brunson, which all of which I'd read, but I reread them. And uh, there's a course that I uh, like an online course that I, Signed up for by a guy named Andre Chaperone, which I have been taking and then retaking, and just really focusing in on how I can be thoughtful about that. I resubscribed to some email lists that I particularly admire the copywriting in so that I can you know learn that and immerse myself in it. and um, you know, have have really made it a project. But I would see that certainly from the perspective of like uh, you know ongoing learning and beginner's mind, Probably the uh, the most useful and most humbling thing that I've done in the last uh, several years is learn uh, musical theater writing, which is something that I started the process in 2016. And then in 2018, I entered a program run by BMI, the music publishing company, um, which, you know, I thought and kind of builds itself as like a musical theater training program. So I thought like, oh, good. That's what I need. I need to be trained. <laughs> Actually, that's a little wrong. It's sort of like a training program for people who already know what they're doing. That's what it is. (laughs) And and I didn't, I didn't. It was very, it was very humiliating for me to be essentially a beginner and, um, you know, a, a, a beginner who had been extremely strategic in how I applied and therefore was able to get in and then these like hyper experienced people. And so, you know, I think, I think it's rare, you know, by the time you get to be an adult, Mostly you're decently good at stuff. I mean, there's always people that are better, but it's not like you are an embarrassment. But I mean, I was, I was really like compared to these people, I was an absolute embarrassment. And so it was just this constant mantra of like, okay, okay, this is not, this is not where I derive my self-esteem. This is okay. I, I'm extremely experienced in other areas. I will take pleasure in that. <laughs>
2: I really like that. I like that idea of just like you know, uh, what is the, what is the mental mindset you need if you're going to live by this idea that if you are learning, you are not actually failing, that every time you come up to a failure, failure, you have to have some kind of mental mindset of okay, I'm learning something new. This isn't really my lane. I've got other passions that I'm I'm okay at. I'm good. I'm gonna be okay. Uh, I just, I mean, that I think is is such a huge part of like when there is a quote unquote failure. What is your mental? What is your your own mental talk to see that as a learning opportunity?
0: Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely right, Jeff. I mean, you know, so many people go so quickly to, oh, I'm no good, I'm a failure, and it's like, you know, what come the f on like. If I was evaluating my entire life based on like how good I am at writing musical theater, like it's, it's just ridiculous. And yet so many people do that because in some narrow facet of their life, it's like, Oh, well, they didn't do well on a trigonometry test or they didn't, you know, whatever, you know, they screwed up the X, Y, Z. Like we are such multifaceted humans and to um, just sort of, you know, generalize about these things. It, I mean, it's it's perfectly human and people do it all the time, but it, it's also literally the most irrational thing in the world. And I think we, we, need, we need to slap ourselves upside the head sometimes and just get some perspective. Like it, it would be extremely hard for any one thing that we do to be representative of us as a human.
2: Mm, I love that. I think that's great. And I I love that because that kind of goes to our our next question where, you know, in your book, you often talk about the concept of optimizing for interest. and I love that. And we all have so many demands on our lives. Like we we really need to reflect on our strengths and our passions and, and where those strengths and passions intersect. What helps you to continue to kind of like focus in on your passion? Like, you know, you've got these side projects like writing for musical theater and you're like, that's great. But, you know, and and that someday could become your passion, but you've got your passion and your interests and trying to figure out where those intersect and how you, how you create from that.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, for me, I think I am someone and you know, maybe, maybe you guys are too. Uh, I think there's a lot of people like this in the world where you can, you know, you kind of get bored a little bit easily. Like you want to keep learning new things. You want to keep doing new things. And I think, you know, sometimes we think that that's a bad thing or we feel bad about it. Like, it's like the responsible thing is to focus and the responsible thing is to, to, you know, drill down and, I I think, of course, you know, we don't want to necessarily be permanent dilettantes, but uh, I I think that there's no reason at all why life shouldn't be interesting for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think the vision that so many people have is just of this dour and drab landscape of you know responsibility with a capital R, and and that means some some you know kind of enforced drudgery and. I am I am not into that at all. I, I think that we we need to strive to do things to entertain ourselves and to, to keep it light and to keep it interesting. I mean I love giving myself projects. Uh, I will give you an example and there's like so many things that go off of this. So I was I'm on this guy's email list and he recently sent out a list of like his favorite books and it was like 300 books or so many books. And one of them that he suggested, was Arnold Schwarzenegger's autobiography. And he was basically like, yeah, this really surprised me, but I really liked Arnold Schwarzenegger's autobiography. And so I clicked over and I mean, sure enough, like it has like super high ratings. This came out like 10 years ago. And I was like, "Uh, okay. And you know, you can get a free sample on Amazon. You can read the first 10%. And I started reading it. It was fantastic. And I'm like, (laughs) well, I'm going to read Arnold Schwarzenegger's biography too. And so I'm now like probably a third of the way into it. I know lots of things now about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Feel free to ask. <laughs> and I'm having the best time. And so my my new project is that I'm going to be watching or re-watching all of the Arnold Schwarzenegger films. I now officially have permission to like spend my summer watching Terminator and Total Recall and feel <laughs> totally good about it because it's a project. So I, I think, you know... Sometimes people very quickly go to well, I can't optimize for interesting, I have responsibilities blah 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 blah. you know what you're probably watching Netflix at least sometimes you could you could make an Arnold Schwarzenegger project too if you wanted. It's all about desire <laughs> it's mm, all I it's all that. about uh, carving out the the space and you know not being a victim about it but saying you know what okay, fine, you don't have you know, Thirty hours a week for leisure. Do you have two? Okay, well, we can do something about it.
1: I love that. And now I, I am making a prediction. I, I think you're going to author the first Terminator musical. I see that coming to Broadway <laughs> in a few years. We'll watch out for that. And then, of course, we'll we'll take some credit for you know helping that ideation process along the way. Thanks for sharing that. Amazing. Um, <laughs> you know, we we kind of started off talking a little bit about. Again, you're prolific with sharing um, and in your book you address the idea that it's really important when you get to the level that you're at and maybe when you're making your way there that we don't hoard information. Um, you know our podcast and our learning organization also really hopes to make certain things transparent for our colleagues. Um, I'm wondering if you could talk more about just this idea of, of not hoarding information and perhaps sharing, I'm I'm going out on a limb here and betting that actually, it's been useful to you and your business and practice to not do that, but to be um, as generous as you've been with your learning. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, I the way that I think about it is,
0: and you know, let's bring it back to Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger discovered early on that he, you could learn everything you wanted to about his workout routine. What did, what did he eat for breakfast? What kind of protein shakes did he drink? How many crunches did he do? Guess what? 99.9% of people are not going to become Arnold Schwarzenegger because he worked out six hours a day. <laughs> like, no, I am literally never going to do that. That's that's not going to happen. I am absolutely not interested in doing that. Um, s- similarly, it doesn't hurt us to share information. I mean, who's our competitor? You know, I mean, whatever. Like, if we if we are knowledge workers, if we are professionals, if we're educators, I mean, w- what? It's like, oh, they're going to be the teacher of the year and you're not. I mean, (laughs) whatever. We're running our own race. And assuming that we are reasonably conscious about wanting to uplift the field or uplift society, it's actually a good thing to share ideas and to help other people get better if we've discovered something that is useful. And a lot of good things come from that because, you know, I mean, some, some people, yes, are kind of grabby and they'll just, they'll just take it. But for most people, what happens is if they pick up on something that you have shared, that actually does help them. Number one, they'll be grateful. They'll be like, oh my gosh, Tricia, thanks so much. i loved that technique you shared that really made a difference. And you will have more friends in the world because they will appreciate it. And also um assuming that you are you know actually sharing these ideas publicly whether it's you know on a podcast like this or you're writing articles or you're doing workshops or you're speaking at conferences or what have you you're getting branded with these ideas they become associated with you and it it redounds to your benefit because every time people mention the thing they are you know they know you and so you know, whatever, whatever the, you know, that thing is, um, it it begins to, uh, to spread and other people begin to become your ambassadors.
1: So I, I think a lot of good things happen.
2: Um, that, I'm that's wondering. So great. I love that. Yeah, go ahead, Tricia.
1: Sorry, I'm totally just going to cut in. I'm, I'm no, too big of a, of a fangirl. And, you know, I'm, I'm guessing, again, the work that you do that, you know, of course, is branded for future business leaders and entrepreneurs, you're also getting calls from folks like us who work in the world of education where it's not too far of a reach, right? Like we are also hoping to nurture the future business leaders and entrepreneurs of the world. But um, I I think what you're talking about so often are those soft skills that are applicable everywhere. You know, you're often talking about self-awareness, collaboration, compassion, and again, you know, just that self-regulation, that focus, resilience. Oh, I'm we're going, go, we're going SEL all the way, man. We, yeah. are. <laughs> we totally do. But I'm wondering, um, you know, again, in, in terms of you putting all of that out there and sharing that, have you had feedback from someone from a field that's surprised you or someone for whom your work has been really impactful where you didn't necessarily foresee being influential in that field?
0: Oh, you know, it's, it's such a, it's such a good question. I feel fortunate because, um, certainly i've i've gotten to connect with and reach a lot of people um over over the years who found my work applicable in different ways i mean just just a couple of days ago this is um on my mind because you know literally just on monday i um met up here in miami with a guy that i hadn't seen in many years but he was uh, somebody who actually hosted one of my very first book parties. He was the host of a book party for my book, Reinventing You, which came out back in, in 2013 because he owned a bar in San Francisco. Mm. And uh, he was a fan of my work uh, in Harvard Business Review. And so he like wrote me a fan letter and he's like, hey, if you ever want to have a party in San Francisco, you can have it in my bar. And I was just like, amazing, let's do that. So uh, so that was that was exciting. But in terms of education, I mean, actually... Um, when I first started my business, a lot of my work was, uh, I mean, sort of accidentally, <laughs> but it was it was uh, in in the world of, of education. I did a lot of uh, marketing strategy consulting for different organizations. I was living in Boston at the time, so I worked for an organization called Stand for Children, uh, which uh, which had a, a big Massachusetts chapter. There was an organization um focused on, uh, on like universal pre-K called uh, Early Education for All that I consulted with. There was a group called Teachers 21 that I consulted with. I uh, did years of consulting for a group called Northeast Foundation for Children, um, which uh, was known for their creative classroom methodology and was kind of in the social and emotional learning space. So it was, you know, it's definitely an area that I, I spent a lot of time getting to know.
2: You talk a lot about networking, and the power of networking, like the power we have in twenty twenty to reach out, you know, share your stuff on Twitter and and create these create these networks of people. Can you, uh, you know, I mean, it's same thing in K twelve. Like we're we're constantly trying to get teachers to to reach out and grow their networks. And in fact, I just had a conversation with a school the other day that was they were like, could you come show our teachers? Like they want to do these global projects. Uh, so can you come and show these teachers how to do these global projects? And I'm like, well, I could, but really what they need to do is they need to sign up on Twitter and start sharing what they're doing. Is there any advice you have like around this idea of networks, the power of networks and and how you kind of maybe create yours and engage with your network?
0: yeah I mean I, I love I love your question, Jeff, and sort of where you're coming from in this. I mean, I think one advantage that educators have is, You know the the thing that holds a lot of people back from networking. I mean, because you know you you have you you always have the the group of people that are just like I hate networking. You know, like whenever the word comes (laughs) up, and they just like they won't even go there. It's like it's so terrible. It's so fake. You know, and it's like okay, great. Like you know, you and your straw man can just go have fun. Like you know, they just have this idea in their head of what they're talking about. But the thing that they're talking about really is basically people who are trying to use you and people who are trying to like sell you stuff. Right. And so if you're an educator, you're not trying to sell anyone anything, you know, like, like no, literally no one in the world could even remotely construe that this is your agenda, right? Like if you're an educator and you're looking at, you know, whether it's using social media or anything else to connect, I mean, like, okay, what can you possibly have in mind? Well, let's see. Maybe you're sharing techniques that could help other people. Maybe you're asking for help. Like, oh, hey, I'm trying to teach blah, blah, blah. Does anybody have any good ideas for how to approach that? All right. Well, that's not a bad thing. Um <laughs> You know, maybe you're trying to get, you know, support and participation for some initiative, you know, whatever, uh, you know, help with the flat Stanley or whatever, you know. But, uh, but, you know, no nobody minds this because they understand that at its heart, educators are trying to be useful to other people that is literally the raison d'etre and so it takes away the central objection around networking which is that you know people think it's sleazy they know that you're not sleazy and so therefore you you ha- it's like blue ocean here people want to help you they want to connect with you and it's a mitzvah anytime you're, you're sharing value and you're sharing your ideas. So I, I think that it's, I know that some people hesitate. They feel like somehow, you know, they're not empowered to reach out or to sort of be proactive or whatever. But I hereby give permission to, uh, to everybody to, uh, to do that because, because people will be happy to hear from you and, and be grateful.
1: Well, and I feel like actually you being here is an example of just that, you know, we We kind of took the risk, we reached out, um, got in touch with your agent, and here you are on the podcast. So, I mean, for me, it's also just the surprise sometimes of who's willing to come into your network when you ask. And I'm so, so grateful. I I know that um, you're incredibly busy. I'm sure you have a lot to do continuing to celebrate your book. And that's just, as you say, one of many, many projects that you have on. So we so appreciate you being here. Um, And again, just being that living example of, Connect, go for it. Well, thank
0: you so much. I'm so happy to have the opportunity. And I'm really glad that that you guys reached out. I mean, as, as you know, uh, the work that you're doing, the work that K-12 educators are doing is, is so important and so needs to be cheerleaded whenever we have the opportunity.
1: We appreciate that. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Shifting Our Schools. If you found this episode helpful or inspiring, please make sure to subscribe and leave the team a five-star rating. If you want to learn more about the Shifting Schools team or download our free resources, head over to shiftingschools.com to see what's on offer now. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode to keep
2: rethinking the shifts our schools need.